So let's just, uh, let me just pray. Lord, thank you. Yes, Lord, thank you for, for today. Thank you for fellowship, Lord. It's biblical, Lord. It's something that marked the disciples was their fellowship in the book of Acts, Lord. And thank you. We thank you also for your provision, Lord. On this table, Lord, is just represented to us, Lord, that, Lord, you don't just feed 5,000 many years ago, but today you feed us, Lord. Let this be a test, me, God, that you provide today, 2023, January 2023. You are still the same provider, Jesus. And so, Lord, we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been on this journey and this theme of miracles making him known. And there have been a couple of, couple of testimonies have come forward. And Faith has one. So I'm going to ask Faith, won't you come forward? Just grab a mic. Where's a mic? Who's got the mic? Uh, there we go. Bob always going to give you a mic. So Faith is going to share a miracle testimony for you. Morning, family. Um, my name is Faith. Um, sure. Um, during this month of January, so I, I, um, oh, sorry. <laughs> so I've been doing vacation work at Mgeni Water for since December. So I've been in PMP since December. Went back home for Christmas and came back in January, and I've been busy. And um, I was just sharing during our practice worship practice on Friday that I've been experiencing so much of God's favor and miracles within the spaces I've been working in and the experience has been amazing we've been traveling a lot you know getting into a lot of rivers and you know all these messy things but it's been exciting and God has just placed so much favor and I feel it's a miraculous thing you know that he's been doing within the spaces I'm working in. and um, the miracle actually is that I was a bit stressed because the agreement was they were going to fund me for one year and uh, you know my mom and I were having conversations back and forth of continuing with my studies and on Friday I went to go speak to the um, she's a skills developer and she was like, no stress, you know, we'll renew your bursary for you and you can continue studying as much as you need to. Just know that the money's there, you're funded. And I just want to thank God for that miracle that it's there and I can continue my studies. Amen. Okay. I've got a mic. There we go. There we go. Awesome. And just one more miracle test me quickly because I know you guys like miracle test me. Simon Matenzi, he called me. Simon, yeah, I don't see Simon. Simon called me this week. He was so excited about this test in me. Um, so he was on his way. I think it was January the 8th, our first service. They came to church. And when he got to his car, he put his Bible and his, and his little notebook on top of the car. And, you know, getting the kids in and strapping the kids in the seats and everything. Anyway, he forgot his Bible and his, and his notebook on top of the car, drove to church. They stay in Hilton. When he got to church... Bible and, and beloved Bible and book were gone, notebook. So after church, they drove the same way back, looking next to the side road, looking for Bible and couldn't find it anywhere. He said this week, um, at he, he works for consulting engineers up in Hilton. He comes in and they have a meeting and he sees his manager is holding his Bible and his notebook. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? So he goes up to him and the manager basically said that some member of the public had come to the office 
and handed it in. So I said, Simon, did you have your name in it? He says, I didn't have my name anywhere in the Bible or the notebook. He just had his company's name on his notebook. It was a company notebook. Somebody had taken it to the company and Simon got his Bible and notebook back. Folks, that's a miracle. Amen. And I mean... He was just telling me how much he loves his Bible and it's a very special Bible and things. And, you know, he was so excited, he called me. And I want to say, this is the God of miracles. Amen? And so, I want to put that out there. If you've lost something, why don't you trust God to return it to you? Amen? Who knows how he's going to do it? So anyway, there's another miracle story of amazing provision. Okay, so... This is part four of our series on miracles, and we're looking at the feeding of the 5,000, and that's found in John 6. So we're looking in the, in the book of John. John records seven miracles in his book, and, we, and we're looking at them sequentially as John records them. So in John 6 now, and just on the table on the next slide, just where we are, we're, pre, we're halfway now, number four, feeding of the 5,000. And straight after this is the walking on water story. We're not going to look at that this Sunday. That's next Sunday, and then we'll, we'll carry on. Okay, so I'm going to read the story briefly, and then, we're gonna, then I'm going to just go back to the text of the Scripture. We're going to unpack it, and we just see what we can learn from this story. So, reading from verse 5 of John 6. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we going to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down. About 5,000 in number. Verse 11. Then Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Wow. Okay, so there's the story. Folks, and I just want to highlight the scale of this miracle. So we read there, the Bible describes the story three times in three Gospels, John, Matthew, and Mark. And I went to just go check. In every one of the stories, it mentions 5,000 men. Now I went to go look, that word men, is it the generic speaking about mankind? And in the original language, the word used by all three gospel writers, and these guys were there, okay? Matthew, Mark, and, 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 um, and John, they were actually there. They used the word 5,000 men as in masculine person, okay? Now, I know the lady's freaking out. Why don't you count the ladies? That's just the reality. 5,000 men, folks. Now, how many women do you think there were? <laughs> okay, I was thinking, well, if it's KZN, you could probably add another 5 
No, probably another 20,000, <laughs> I reckon. If you look at the ratio of men to women who come to church, okay, in KZN. So, and then how many kids are there? Okay, they're not even counting the kids. I mean, it could have been 10, 15, 20,000. It was a lot of people. So, folks, do you see the scale of this miracle? This isn't little just, you know, feeding a few. This is huge provision. Folks, this is provision off the charts. Folks, this is... This is the Jesus that we serve. This is His level of provision. In South Africa today, I mean, how many believers are there? I don't know. But the amount of provision that Jesus is doing just today, if we had to just bring all the food that every believer was going to eat today, we'd make a mountain of food. That's a huge amount of provision by Jesus. Amen. And so I want to say that this is just a huge level of provision. I, I did a little bit of calcs to work out how much provision this could have been in monetary terms. So remember, that Philip is asked, and he says 200 denarii. That's equivalent to about six months' wages. Okay, now it depends how much wages are to you. Is it, is it you know, what, 10,000 rand a month, six months? That means it's 60,000 rand. I did it this way. I said, I went to my wife. I said, how much does a bread roll cost? Okay. She tells me that a bread roll costs three rand. Okay. So that means three rand times 5,000 men is 15,000 rand. Okay. But say there, for each man there is a woman. Okay. That's 30,000 rand. Say there's <laughs> all the children. Each one has one children. I mean, then we're going to 45,000 rand. Do you just get the scale of how much provision Jesus is doing right here? It's huge. I mean, 50, it could be 100,000 rands worth of bread rolls just that he performed right there, not even including the, the, the fish. How much does fish cost per kg? <laughs> so it's just, guys, it's huge, the level of provision. I'm trying to smash the thing that God just provides just enough. And it says there was left over, hey? Twelve basketfuls. So, so folks, Lord, I pray that we would see, Lord, smash our small-mindedness that you just provide just kind of one bread roll. And the, Lord, you provided that everybody had full and there was twelve baskets. Lord, smash our minds. God, may we lock into the abundant provider, the abundant God in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's just rewind. I'm going to go to verse 1 of this chapter, get the context, and then we'll unpack it from there. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And, large crowds, uh, and a large crowd f was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. We're looking at a series on miracles. Folks, signs are mark. Of the gospel. It is where the kingdom comes, there are signs and wonders and miracles. Okay? And it is an important aspect in drawing people to the kingdom. It is important. But this story, Jesus actually goes on in the end of the chapter and he unpacks it. And, and people just got weird around these signs. And he's, he's addressing them and he wants to bring clarity of the purpose of these signs. So it's important. We're going to unpack it. Okay. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Now that little thing about the Passover, there were many pilgrims. It was the biggest feast of, in, in a calendar year. This could be, you know, what's our biggest festival in our culture? Is it Christmas? Uh, maybe it is. Um, you know, for Christians... Possibly it's Easter. But Passover was huge in their culture. So there were a lot of people around that had come from all surrounding areas coming in. 
And so these crowds that were on the way to the Passover were caught up with, there's a miracle worker nearby, let's go check him out. And what was the Passover about? The Passover, remember, was this, was this meal they, they enjoyed before, before they went through the wilderness, 40 years of desert, before they got to the promised land. And so the Passover was very much reminding them of God's provision, 40 years, manna that came from heaven, remember, and quail, etc. To these Jews, this understanding of God providing in the wilderness was in their culture. That's what they were coming to celebrate, how God had provided and made a way of escape for them. And here they are, folks, they they were on the other side of the Sea of Galilee in a remote area. Folks, the place that Jesus to do does this. For these Jewish people, it would have been like, oh my goodness, this is like the Israelites, our ancestors, when they went through the wilderness and God provided miraculously every day. Can you see just when you, when you read a little thing, now the Passover, it's like, wow, for this community, for these people, this would have been like triggering them. They are having like, we are having a modern day experience of God providing for us in the wilderness. Right here. They're in the wilderness. Here's Jesus miraculously providing manna. And you'll see in the discussion when they talk, that's the thing they bring up. They're thinking about this thing. Moses provided and we'll look at it. And so they are like, sure, this is a God moment. But God is the same. So there's this connection between the journey out of Egypt with these people here, and it's the same God we serve. Amen? If you're in a wilderness experience, folks, God loves providing when we are in a wilderness experience. So let's just read this on. Okay, verse 5. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip. In other translations, it says he saw the crowd and he was moved by compassion. And uh, if you read Matthew and Mark, he, he actually teaches them for quite a while. And then it's getting evening. And he's now, he's concerned about their physical needs. They need to eat. And they, they, there's, there's, they, they're in the wilderness. But it's interesting. Then Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread? Now, if we just go look, and why Philip? Why did Jesus turn to Philip? Philip actually came from a town nearby there. And so he was kind of the local boy. You know, when, you know, if I was an outsider coming to Peter Maritzburg, like, where's the closest shop? I'll ask a local person, you know, where's the closest shop? I want to buy some bread. So there's very much that context. Like, if you want to find out to provide, where are we going to buy bread? Ask Philip. He's the local. Where are we going to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for himself knew what he would do. Now, this is so interesting, folks. There's a massive crowd. Jesus has been teaching them, and he's now going to provide for them. But Jesus turns to one person called Philip. And Jesus, the Bible says, tests him, for he himself knew what he would do. You see, folks, there's a crowd, but Jesus was personally discipling 12 men. Here was a man that he was walking with, Philip, and in the midst, Jesus didn't get caught up with, oh, everybody loves me. This is amazing. They all want to touch me. All, all the, the, the crowd stuff that can get to your head. He's still focused on the one. He's still focused. I have got to teach Philip a lesson right here. He's a local boy. 
he still has a discipleship moment with Philip. And I want to ask you, do you have people in your life that can ask you testing questions, that test your faith? Here Jesus had a discipleship moment with Philip in the middle of a massive crowd. You know, it's, it's quite amazing. And then Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. And it also shows, I mean, if you do the calcs, he was actually, uh, you know, he must have done well at maths or he had been a trade or everything. Because when you do those calcs, it actually probably a good calculation that he quickly did in his head. He was quite a sharp you know, he's one of these maths boffs, you know, who get like distinction for maths and matric or something like that, okay? One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. Let me just say that about barley loaves. Now, wheat was like the gold standard for making bread, but wheat was a lot more expensive. Barley was often used to feed the animals. And a barley loaf was actually poor man's food. You know, I was trying to think what's the equivalent context. I mean, I was kind of thinking, well, maybe brown bread and white bread. I know they're both, both made of wheat, etc. You know, it's kind of like they had brown bread rolls. I don't know if you like them. But here we have cheap, uh, basically poor man's uh, bread and two fish. Now, again, kind of think they're in the wilderness. There's a boy carrying two fish, and I kind of think... Ish, you know, I'm not going to touch that fish. How long has that fish been? But in those days, they would very often, mostly, they would actually dry and salt the fish. And so it is fish biltong, if you could say that. But the, the, the Bible describes it as two small fish. In the context, they would have known it's fish biltong. I don't know if you, I mean, we've traveled in Africa. Many places you go, you get dried fish. That's, I mean, how do you preserve fish when you're in the wilderness? No fridges, no deep freezers. You dry it and salt it. Okay, fish biltong. So if you think about that, I mean, two little fish dried and salted, it's even less than you think it is. It's like, how are you going to feed 5,000 men, you know, a crowd of 20, 50,000 people? It is a huge miracle. And Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Folks, Jesus told them to sit down on the green grass. Do you remember another time in Scripture where it says, He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Folks, do you see the prophetic significance in him saying that? I wonder how many of these Jewish people who knew their scripture, when they heard Jesus making them sit down in green grass, were like, oh my goodness, this is our shepherd. This is the good shepherd. This is our shepherd. Jesus is literally fulfilling in the natural Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Beautiful. And let's go on. Jesus then took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. Folks, the only thing Scripture records, Jesus didn't pray over it. Jesus just gave thanks. Folks, have you ever thought about that maybe the key to unlocking your miracle is that you need a bit more thanksgiving in your life. 
I know the reality when you're trusting God for a miracle. The miracle there's you have a need and you need God to intervene and you're so aware of your need. But you know Thanksgiving breaks us out of that desperate kind of I'm so needy situation and causes you to look at, well, what has God already done in your life? Folks, this is, I believe, a key sometimes for, for unlocking a miracle is let's give thanks. Let's look at what He's already done in our lives in the last year, 10, 15, 30 years for some of us. Let's give thanks. Thanksgiving very often unlocks God's miraculous provision. It's the only thing He did. He gave thanks. And folks, before we have food here, we're going to give thanks. We as a family, in many Christian homes, it is a Christian tradition that before we have food, we give thanks. Where does it come from? Jesus gave the example. And every time we're giving thanks, we are recognizing He's the provider. And just as He's provided this food, He's still, as long as you live, going to provide mountains of food for you and your family. We are giving thanks to say, God, we look to you as our provider. Amen. It's so powerful. It's such a powerful Christian tradition. We do it in our home. I hope you do it in your home. It's just, it's reminding us that God is an abundant provider. Now what's interesting, it says here, we're reading, Jesus then took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. Folks, did you see that miracle? Did you see that explosion and laser lights? And did you see that, that smoke and, and, and the music coming forth from Jesus' hands as the miracle happened? Did you see it happen over there? I thought when a miracle happens, there's like explosions and laser lights and smoke machines and, you know, and music. Dun, dun, dun. Jesus, you're not being dramatic enough. Folks, we think miracles also need to be super dramatic with huge music and laser lights and smoke machines. Folks, you know, the thing about miracles, you know, there could have been people sitting there that missed a phenomenal miracle of Jesus taking a measly amount of food and making a mountain of food from it. They could have missed it. It wasn't dramatic. You know, sometimes we can miss miracles because we're expecting it to be, whoa, you know, where's the smoke machine? Where's the music? I witnessed this miracle. 2011, we took a sabbatical as a family and we went up to Pemba in Mozambique and we uh, visited the Iris Ministries mission, state, uh, mission station there. And we went on an outreach. And I, was, I went to this outreach. It was in a village outside Pemba. Pemba's northern Mozambique. Folks, if you want to get in your car and drive there now, just make sure you've got enough petrol for about 4,000 kilometers. Okay, that's how far it is. It is far. I mean, when you're up there and you look across, it's like equivalent to like Zambia, like driving to Zambia. Okay, it's far. And we're at this outreach, and, and the plan was it was a church, and it was a church building, you know, probably similar to this, except um, it's hot. There are these little wooden benches you're sitting, sitting on. There's no fans, aircon, or anything. Windows are open. You are sitting on there, and you, you're just dripping with perspiration, okay? They expected about 200 people at this, at this outreach, at this church. So they provided, I mean, you always need to do in those contexts, provide for the people. And so they had these Hessian bags full of Portuguese rolls, okay? So they had two bags, and each bag had about 100 rolls. They expected about 200 people, so you have these. I mean, they, they're smaller than what I would call a South African hot dog roll. It's, it's, it's about that long, um, a little Portuguese roll. They're very tasty, very nice. Uh, I love the Portuguese rolls in Mozambique. 
And so they were ready. Except not 200 people arrived. 2,000 people arrived. The people just kept coming and kept coming out of the bush. And it's literally bush all around. They just kept walking. And there was music again. And, and they just kept coming. Eventually, we as missionaries, we actually went outside because we didn't want to take space for the people inside. Had an amazing meeting. And, and at the end of it, there was a table. And they were going to give food to the people, which is a Portuguese roll. 2,000 people, they got 200 rolls. Folks, what do you do? Well, you pray. You say, Jesus, you've done this before. The guys prayed over those bags. I saw them. I mean, they bag like this, about 100 rolls in each bag. They prayed over them, and they just took rolls in their hand. And there was a long line. I mean, the queue was just forever, just to get the roll. I mean, 2,000 people, it's a long queue. And they just kept putting their hand in and giving a roll, giving a roll, you know. And folks, I looked at the bag. I didn't see a smoke machine. I didn't see laser lights. I didn't hear booming music coming out of that bag. Not once. They just kept handing out rolls. Kept handing out rolls. And everybody got a roll. 2,000 people each got a roll from bags that had 200 rolls in. How did it happen? Miraculously, folks. That's how miracles happen. So naturally. I wish I had a camera in that bag like... Jesus, how are you doing this? You know, for that matter, when Jesus was, verse 11, when he was multiplied, I want like a close-up zoomed-in view of what's happening in your hands. How are you doing that? I want to know that trick. It's miraculous. The very essence of miraculous is there's not a logical, scientific explanation of how that bread is multiplying from just a few to a mountain of food. So, folks, I've seen it. And, folks, this is our Jesus. He multiplies food. Amen. He still does it today. I want to tell you, sometimes we don't even notice it. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. Boom, folks. That right there, a mountain of food appeared. No music. No lasers. No smoke machine. Boom. Jesus being naturally supernatural. We don't have to make a big drama about it. Okay, then let's read on. So, also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, folks, that means, you know, how many rolls, how many hot dog rolls do you need to eat your fill? I mean, for me, I'll be honest, Four is good for me, okay? I know my wife, one, sometimes two. Abby, like half a roll. Jono, like seven, okay? <laughs> I know, we're different, okay? We're different. But it says everybody ate their full. So how many, not one roll each. I mean, you know, 50, there were 5,000 people, three rand, 15,000, three rolls each, you know, 45. It's a lot of food, okay? Verse 12, and when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples. Now, this is significant. Jesus, why do you do this? Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. You know, Jesus comes to seek and save the lost. We know that. If you're feeling like uh, you're a fragment, you know, you kind of... Jesus doesn't... Wa He's abundant but not wasteful. You are not a waste. You're not a mistake from God's eyes. Okay? From human eyes, people may think weird and wonderful things about where you come from and your origins. Just tell them to take a hike because in God's eyes, 
There's no mistake. You are not lost. If you have found Jesus and Jesus has found you, amen, there's no mistake. Verse 13, so they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Folks, Jesus is not wasteful. He's abundant, super abundant, but not wasteful. You know, I heard somebody saying, you know that little boy, he gave five bread rolls to Jesus. Why did Jesus collect the 12, basket, uh, 12 baskets of bread? And, and in, the, in the original scripture, these are big baskets. One commentator said he believes Jesus at the end of this called that little boy and said, here we go, my boy. Can you imagine that boy's eyes? Like, well, he probably was like, sniff, sniff, I've given my lunch away. You know, I'm going to go hungry now. <laughs> you know, he comes 12. Isn't that amazing? Folks, and, and I want to tell you, you know, we live in a society that is actually so wasteful. I was speaking to somebody who does uh, secondhand clothes, etc. And, and she was saying, particularly women's clothes, they get given clothes to sell on to, for, for charity. And she said, you won't believe how many clothes they get, women's clothes, that still have the original label on, the price tag on. In other words, that garment, that dress, that top was never worn. Folks, that's wasteful. You know, they say with clothes, the 80-20 principle applies. You wear 20% of your clothes 80% of the time. You have some favorite tops and dresses and shorts and jeans, and the rest, uh, you're not sure why you bought it. Hey, there's some people. There's some people out there who could do with it. Amen? Jesus is abundant but not wasteful. I'm, I'm just so intrigued by this little bit. And it says, When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed a prophet who has come into the world. The Bible then goes on and describes the story where Jesus tells his disciples to get in the boat and they go across the shore and the, and the storm comes and Jesus walks on the water and meets them. We're going to look at that story next week. But the next day, Jesus meets up with these people again. They've just had the feast of their lives in the wilderness like we've just experienced a Moses moment. They come to him. They find him the next day. It says, verse 22, the next day the crowd that had stayed on the far shore, saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor the disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Folks, this miracle had caused them to seek Jesus. And you would think they are coming for pure motives. But this chapter, chapter 6 in John, it's a long chapter. I think it's 66 verses. And the first 22 verses are about two miracle stories. The, the feeding the 5,000 walking on the water. The rest is Jesus teaching and exposing the, the thing that's in these people's hearts regarding miracles. We're doing a series of miracles. Folks, I don't want to get weird and ungodly around miracles and I felt I really want to so don't worry there's another 44 verses coming I'm not going to we're not going to unpack all these 44 verses what I want to highlight to you is just I think it's a five verses where Jesus is saying remember the purpose of miracles 
We don't do miracles for the sake of miracles. Verse 25, when they finally found him, they asked him, Teacher, how did you get here? And Jesus replied, You came looking for me because I fed you by a miracle, not because you believe in me. So miracles draw people. Amen. Verse 27, why would you strive for food that is perishable and not be passionate to seek the food of eternal life? which never spoils. I, the Son of Man, am ready to give you what matters most. For God the Father has destined me for this purpose. They replied, So what should we do if we want to do God's work? Jesus answered, The work you can do for God starts with believing in the one who He has sent. Folks, they were obsessed by this miracle and they wanted another miracle. Folks, Remember the purpose of a sign, it's pointing in a direction. Miracles, another word for miracles is signs. They're pointing in a direction. Where are they pointing? They're pointing to Jesus. These people can't see that it's about Him. It's about putting faith in Jesus. Jesus just given you supernatural bread and fish. What do you do? How's, what's the biblical response if you experience a miracle from Jesus? Put your faith in Jesus. Put your trust in Him. Don't be like, I want another miracle. Where's my next miracle? Put your faith in Jesus. What is the impact? How is it meant to impact your heart? Jesus answered, the work you can do for God starts by believing in the one who He has sent. These folks aren't believing in Jesus. They just want another sign. They want another miracle. And folks, we love miracles but folks, can the miracles point to Jesus? And the result of the miracle is people are putting their faith in Jesus. People are believing Jesus more than ever. That's the point of the miracle. I sometimes wonder, I've often wondered, you know, it says time and time again that everyone who came to Jesus was healed. But folks, everyone who comes to you and me for prayer for healing doesn't get healed. And it's like, Lord, why? I think the reason is that we forget the purpose of healing, the purpose of miracles, and eventually it's become a healing for the sake of healing because I want a big reputation and name and a big ministry and everybody to know me. I'm the healing wada wada of the world. And sometimes the Lord is, I don't want you to get weird and wonderful about miracles. Keep pointing people to Jesus. Keep pointing people to Jesus. That's the point of miracles. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Read on. They replied, show us a miracle so we can see it and then we'll believe you. They, these guys, they've just seen a mountain of food being produced in front of their eyes the day before. They want another miracle. There's something about miracles that just, be, I, I just want more. You know? And Jesus is trying to bring correction and saying, guys, listen, this is what it's about. And they mentioned Moses. Remember, because they were in the wilderness and they get provided. I mean, they're on their way to the Passover. They're thinking about the Passover story. So they're thinking about Moses. Moses took care of our ancestors who were fed by the miracle of manna every day in the desert. So there, they're getting it. Just like the scripture says, he fed them with bread from heaven. What sign will you perform for us? They want another miracle. The truth is, Jesus said, Moses didn't give you the bread of heaven. It's my father who offered the bread that comes as a dramatic sign from heaven. Folks, they didn't put their faith in God. They 
believed it was Moses. That's what they're saying. And this is another reason why doesn't everybody that you and I pray for get healed? Because then people are going to come to me and you and say, Oh, look at, look at this. Zanele is a miracle worker. And, you know, eventually we're going to have the church of the first believers in Zanele. I'm not saying, I mean, I'm, I'm just being, oh, you get this. Folks, you don't think, William Branham, phenomenal miracles. By the end of his life, his disciples were worshipping him. Because he did so many miracles. I'm glad that not everybody you and I pray for get healed today. Because I don't want the church of, you know, Zanele and Stella and whatever around the place. It's the church of Jesus. We are his people. It's about him. Amen. So yeah, they, they, they believing in Moses. No, believe in God. This is what Jesus is saying. Okay. And then it says, verse 33, The bread of God is the one who came out of heaven to give his life to feed the world. Then please, sir, give us this bread every day, they replied. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life in yellow. Come every day to me and you will never be hungry. Believe in me and you will never be thirsty. It's about Jesus. Signs, miracles, and wonders are meant to be pointing to Jesus. Amen? Let's keep the focus. We want miracles, but I want miracles that will point to Jesus. If they point to Pastor Jacques and how amazing it is, like, honestly, I don't want that. Don't worship me. And, and it, all over, Paul and Jesus were like, guys, let's keep the focus. It's about Jesus. Amen? And it says, come every day to me and you will never be hungry. Believe in me and you will never be thirsty. Folks, it's about Jesus. It's about coming to Jesus. If you've experienced a miracle, has it caused you to have more faith in Jesus? Or has it caused you to be more puffed up and think you're so amazing and, you know, God's gift to, to mankind? Folks, it's about Jesus. Let signs and wonders Point us to Jesus. Amen. Join us every Thursday for prayer from half past five to half past six. That happens at church, 154 Burkard Road, as well as on Zoom. If you would like any further information or would like to receive this link, please do contact us. Our details are below.